Hey everybody, welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. So glad you joined us today because I have a special treat for you. Our guest's name is Ankit Gupta. He is the founder and CEO of Bicycle Health. He's super passionate about the power of technology to create patient-centered experiences that could deliver high quality outcomes at scale, something that we need majorly in our health system. Prior to Bicycle Health, Ankit was co-founder and chief technology officer of Pulse News with over 30 million users and a shout out by ex-Apple CEO, Steve Jobs. Pulse was acquired by LinkedIn and now serves as a LinkedIn newsfeed. Just an incredible uh, entrepreneur, and I'm so excited to have him here on the podcast with us. Ankit, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on board. It's a true pleasure and certainly looking forward to digging into the work you guys do at Bicycle Health. Before we do, though, Ankit, great opportunity to for the listeners to get to know you better. What inspired your work in healthcare? Well, I think the credit to that has to go to my wife. She is a physician trained in internal medicine. And when I was looking to do something that's a lot more impact oriented, after my last startup got acquired by LinkedIn and got integrated into LinkedIn, I naturally got attracted to healthcare because of just the dinner table conversations and seeing the work that she was doing, both the impact and the patients, the people that she was helping, but also the challenge that she was running into. And actually at her practice, about a third of her patients, sometimes even half of her patients would have some sort of substance use disorder or some sort of behavioral health challenges. So that's what really motivated me, inspired me to start meeting people in recovery, hearing their stories and really trying to understand what we can do to improve. That's awesome. Shout out to your wife for pointing you in the direction of healthcare. <laughs> we need the brains to make a big difference. And um, being my and support system here. along the way. Tell me about Personal it, man. Hey, I'll take... Dude, uh, huge. And I'll give a shout out to my wife on that front too. <laughs> Can't do it without them. Incredible to have that support. So big shout out to our wives here <laughs> on this episode. So let's hone into Bicycle Health. What does the company do and how are you guys adding value to the healthcare ecosystem? Yeah. So our mission is to address the number one public health emergency that exists in the country, which is the opioid crisis. And we're trying to provide high quality, convenient, affordable, confidential treatment for opioid use disorder. Millions of people are struggling with opioid use. The latest data shows about eight or nine million people who misuse opioids in the country. And we help people get off of opioid addiction through a combination of medication, therapy, recovery, coaching, comprehensive care model, and really help people overcome withdrawals, help people get to stability, and that means they're able to achieve their hopes and dreams, achieve better health, achieve wellness, achieve closer connection with, with their friends and family, achieve financial stability, and really help people who are struggling with opioid use kind of overcome opioid addiction, get into recovery and stay in recovery, prevent relapse for long term. Hey, I think that's a uh, very important work. We lost track of the problem for a bit because everybody was overwhelmed by COVID, but it never went away. And, and in fact, it got worse. So I think it's really great that you're honed in on this, Ankit. It's a problem. And, and so how are you guys different or better than what's out there already? I understand it's confidential. Is this direct to consumer? Is this, are you working with the plans? Help us understand more about the business. Yeah, a little bit of both. So we are a virtual care model 
we are the only national provider of opioid use disorder. So we operate in 48 states. And all of our services, whether it's meditation management, psychotherapy, recovery coaching, care coordination, case management, pharmacy support, drug testing, all of that is delivered virtually through the app at home. And so that allows our care model to both provide really fantastic help, but also fit into people's lives, which improves engagement, it improves adherence to treatment. So our outcomes, which is primarily measured by retention and treatment, is, is best in class. So one, the care delivery model is unique. It's national. The second, we actually work with health plans in a pretty massive way. So we have contracts with all the major commercial health plans. We have Medicaid contracted in about half of our states. We're contracted with Medicare and a few managed Medicare Advantage plans. And so we, almost 80% of people that come to us, we actually cover that right now. And we're trying to increase that coverage more and more over time. And so that again allows patients to actually be able to afford all of our services versus having the financial burden and be able to again, staying in, in recovery and utilize the comprehensive set of services that we have. And finally, one of the biggest challenges in addiction medicine is that there's a lot of stigma associated with being in addiction. And my, my real, my big hope, I think the thing that's really going to help us overcome the opioid addiction, opioid crisis is being able to address the stigma and being able to really diffuse the stigma. That's what we're trying to do with our advocacy efforts. But today, the stigma exists. And so people who come to us typically don't feel comfortable going to their primary care doctor for help. They don't feel comfortable going to their employer for help. Often they don't even go to their health plan for help. So they're struggling in silence and reaching them through online channels has we found it to be really effective to engage them in that confidential way, in that one-on-one way where no one really needs to know. And so we've built really robust direct-to-consumer engagement channels, whether it's through organic content, whether it's through paid. We've even started doing partnerships, referral partnerships, like we have a partnership with the Federal Bureau of Prisons. We have partnerships with several kind of large healthcare organizations. And we're finding ways where we can reach patients where they are and also engage them in a timely manner when they are ready to start treatment. I think that's fantastic. And there's those online channels are fantastic approaches to, to reach people with high intent. Because I imagine you, you got high intent searches happening all over the place for help, right? Exactly. And the intent is essentially trying to avoid withdrawal or trying to avoid relapse, right? These are searches around addiction, searches around how to get off the medication searches around the symptom, the symptoms that occur when you're in withdrawal. So this is a time in the patient's journal where they're highly motivated to start treatment. And it's almost impossible for a in-person model to be able to engage them at that time in that place that they are. Whereas through a virtual model, we're able to start treatment typically within 24 hours. At most within three days is what our target is. And that's already too long. Over time, we want to start treatment within 24 hours for all of our patients. And so that, even that first step where you're able to reach out while you're in withdrawal and you're able to actually start treatment 
versus go out and get more medication is a huge positive experience for the patient. Yeah, for sure. And so then let's dive into the treatment. So tell us what the treatment is and what does that look and sound like? Yeah, patients typically get an assessment with one of our providers. We have a large employed team of providers that are specialized in addiction medicine. These are MDs that are board certified in addiction medicine or NPs or PAs who are supervised by, by our MDs. If the patient has an opioid use disorder, we typically prescribe a medication called buprenorphine or the brand name is Suboxone. And so this medication can be taken orally. Patients typically go to a pharmacy after this appointment of the medication. Unfortunately, uh, cool. there exists stigma in the pharmacy landscape as well. And, and we published some research where only about 40% of pharmacies actually stop the medication consistently. And so we've built technology to identify pharmacies that actually have the medication on the shelf so that when patients go to pick up the medication, they're also able to pick up the medication the same day. So not only are they able to see us quickly, they're able to go and pick up the medication quickly. And then they start onboarding onto the medication and we have induction support in the app that actually helps the patient know how long to be in withdrawal for and what the right dosage of the medication to take at what point in order to onboard onto the medication. That's roughly the first few days to a week where take some time to overcome opioid withdrawal, overcome the symptoms of withdrawal and start taking this medication to start feeling stable and overcome cravings. After that, we complement the medication management through psychosocial intervention. So these would be recovery coaching supports that could be either one-on-one or in a group setting. Sometimes patients need therapy as well. And we have therapists on the team that provide one-on-one or group therapy. We also help a lot with other kinds of care coordination needs that the patients might have, like they need referrals to primary care or if they need any other support in navigating their life and the healthcare. That's fantastic. And then finally, we monitor patients through at-home drug testing. So we've built a randomized at-home drug testing model that actually allows us to monitor for adherence and in some ways actually perform better than in-person drug testing. That's great. You guys have really taken this and thought about all of the places where drop-off happens, right? And there's so many of them. Yeah. And if you miss one drop-off, you're done. You're pretty much back on the drugs, right? Most likely. So kudos to your team for thinking through this so thoroughly and thinking this is the person's journey. And I say person instead of patient. Yeah. I think both apply, but (laughs) this is the person's journey through this very challenging addiction. And then Bicycle Health's there for you and they anticipate what you're going to need before you need it. They serve it up to you. This is like what everybody's wanting in healthcare. Like the, hey, we want health like we want Amazon or Starbucks. (laughs) And this is definitely (laughs) serving it up, knowing where the truck is in your neighborhood because you're waiting for that particular package. (laughs) Exactly. I think being patient-centric or being user-centric, that is quite important to be able to have people actually engage in the care that you're providing. And a lot of that comes from my background Also, as I was in grad school, I took a lot of classes at the design school at Stanford. So user-centric design has been a key tenet of anything that I've built, whether it's my last startup where we try to make news reading a really sort of pleasurable, efficient 
user-centric experience, or even in addiction medicine. And I think that is one of the things that differentiate us today at Bicycle, where we really try to create a user-centric experience throughout the addiction treatment journey, which is not the lens that I think most addiction medicine companies or even health plans or even regulators often take. Often the lens that they take is, here's the set of hoops that patients have to jump through, or here's the set of boxes that providers have to check off. It's typically more punitive, more restrictive, versus thinking about how do we set the system up in the best way to engage patients. That said, I'm seeing more and more providers, more and more regulators actually take a patient-centric approach. There's a, we now have Narcan that is readily available. In pharmacies, we have low, low barrier buprenorphine access models that are up and coming and thriving in several sort of academic hospital systems. We have buprenorphine in the emergency room. So I'm excited to see more and more of this sort of user centricity, patient centricity in, in addiction medicine, because that's truly the only way we're going to actually help people overcome addiction, given the group that we is and have. Totally. Yeah, no, I love it. And thanks for, for sharing the why behind the user centricity makes so much sense. <laughs> and so as you guys have built the platform as entrepreneurs in healthcare, <laughs> we learn and entrepreneurs in general, we learn and we reiterate. If you could point to maybe one thing that was challenging that you really learned from that has shaped what the company is now, what would you say that one thing is? That's probably, uh, <laughs> you, want, you want me to pick one from like a hundred? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a hard one. It's a hard one to answer. <laughs> yeah. This might sound like a cliche, but I do think I, there's a lot of talk about value-based care. And obviously there's a lot of talk about the financial model of healthcare driving behavior from providers and, and patients. I think being intentional about what the financial model is, is really important when you're starting a company in healthcare, especially a care delivery company and mm -hmm. being thoughtful about choosing what financial model you want to go after. When we started Bicycle, we were really excited about the G codes that CMS had recently introduced that provides reimbursement for all of the wraparound care supports that patients need in order to achieve and engage in recovery, not just the medications, but all of the other supports that I, I mentioned. And we're now experiencing that there's some limitations to those rapidine codes as well. And a value-based model, a budget payment model, an at-risk model, a lot of those models actually would allow us to provide the set of services we want in the way we want in an even much better way that would be even more beneficial for patients and payers. And so I think my advice and my learning would be to be really intentional about the financial model that you pick to build a company after. Now, the flip side to that though is the financial model does drive scalability of the business to some extent. The reason why we've been able to grow nationally, we've been able to see more than 30,000 patients, we've been able to contract tens, hundreds of health plans is because of the financial model we Whereas something that's a lot more bespoke, something that's a lot more untested, like a value-based model or a risk-based model might be harder to scale. And the populations you serve, the company you create, the impact you create might be different. 
again, I think that's why being intentional about the financial model you pick and why, and being true to yourself about what the other downstream decisions are that come out of that choice are really important to make sure entrepreneurs have their to head around when starting the kind of company. No, that's awesome, Anke. Appreciate you sharing those learnings. And yeah, I did a, an interview the other day, a gentleman who's had multiple exits. He wrote a book, Can't Tame a Mongoose, and he called it the inevitable unexpected events <laughs> that always happen. Yeah. Like the inevitable unexpecteds. And yeah. what you just shared is the importance of solid fundamentals, right? Yeah. Like the, and that biz, that, that financial model in a healthcare yeah. business, healthcare delivery is, is key. Go ahead. Do you, you have a thought on that? There's so many unexpected. The thing that came to my mind when you were sharing yeah. that was I still receive mail that I have to triage as a mailroom person just because my home address yeah. is on God knows how many forms out there. So maybe that's my second <laughs> learning is really make sure your mail address is a, a virtual scanning mail address that does not change yeah. over time. That's but so anyway. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. A lot of, like you said, it, like before you, it's a tough one to answer, but in healthcare, the money trail is super key. Having those fundamentals in place, a huge learning. And then the unexpected that always come. Yeah. Uh, great share, Ankit. Really appreciate that. Okay, so here we are at the end. I know, it's crazy. Time flies. <laughs> but if you wanted to give our listeners a call to action, what would that call to action be today? Like I said earlier, I think the biggest challenge in addiction treatment is actually the stigma of addiction that we hold in our culture. And and it's quite natural to have stigma. I think the call to action would be to try to understand addiction more. A really good book that describes the opiate crisis and why we are here or, and what we can do is Dreamland. So if that's something that your listeners haven't read, I would highly encourage reading that book. But honestly, just Who, learning more. Who is it more. by, Ankit? Sam Who, Who's it by? Sam Canonis. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll link it up in the show notes for sure. Yeah, no, it's a great book. It's also quite sad and heartbreaking, but, but really portrays the reality in a sort of raw way. And I think the more I meet people in recovery, the more I learn about the science of addiction, the more I notice addictive behaviors in myself, whether it's coffee every day or... <laughs> working over Christmas break, I think it helps me empathize with addiction and, and people with addiction and see addiction in a much more commonplace way, which would really help us support each other as a society. So yeah, I would say learn about addiction and meet people in recovery and hear their stories and see if something lights up in your brain. Oh, no, I think that's great. And get great call to action there. Folks, definitely think about that. I definitely am. The only way to combat this type of stigma is to really give it some solid thought and not just have knee-jerk reactions around it. That's the only way we solve it. And I remember going to a, man, back when they used to have TED Health or TED Med, they yeah. don't have it anymore. The Surgeon General gets up on the stage and talks about his brother who had the issue. Wow. And the other thing is just, just being open. I know it's not easy. But 
Sharing stories is another great way to get what Ankit's getting after here. It's normalizing this big problem. So Ankit, thank you for that call to action. What, what, where can people find you and where can people get more information about bicycle health? Yeah, you can visit bicyclehealth.com to learn more. We have an active Twitter account. We have an active LinkedIn account. I guess it should be called X now. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, <laughs> so you can connect with me there. And my email address is ankit at bicyclehealth.com. Free to send me a note. I'm always excited to meet fellow entrepreneurs and healthcare folks. Love it, Ankit. Well, folks, there you have it. Mr. Ankit Gupta of Bicycle Health. We're going to leave all of his contact information for his company and him in the show notes. So take action. That's how you get the outcomes you're looking for. Ankit, thank you. Thanks, Ankit.